the one and only Cliff Richard and Buscemi. Hi, this is David Ghosty Wills, and welcome to episode 17 of the We Say Yeah podcast, a monthly unofficial Cliff Richard and the Shadows fan podcast where we review and discuss every single EP and LP in chronological order. This month, we have kind of a podcast version of a double A side. We've got two conversations with two different guests. But first, as we always do, let's read some reactions from the socials about last month's episode with returning guest Pat Murphy. That was the one where we discussed the Wonderful Land single and two Shadows EPs. Bernard, over on Twitter, writes, Just checked out the Wonderful Land pod. I enjoyed it. Pat was good. On Guitar Tango, there was originally a recording with Jet on bass. This was a little unstable in places and was never officially released though I think it has crept out on one of those, in quotes he puts it, gray releases. Thanks so much for that. Russell Smith writes over on our We Say Yeah Facebook page, enjoying your podcasts very much. Thank you for that. He says, thank you for doing this. Wonderful Land Stars Fell on Stockton was my first introduction to the shadows at the age of four in the 1970s with my mother's old record collection. I wasn't sure what speed the record should be played at and regularly played these at 78 RPM. Looking forward to following you through this very enjoyable series of inventive viewpoints and much-needed reappraisal of Cliff and the Shadows music. They are often overlooked nowadays. Best wishes and regards, Russell Smith. I totally agree, Russell. In fact, yeah, that is really the modus operandi of this uh, podcast is to put the focus on the music. I know from talking to people who are like big rock and roll fans who didn't know much about Cliff and the Shadows that they're kind of surprised when they hear these uh, programs. So that's, that's good. We'll keep surprising them. Darren Price over on uh, Cliff Richard Radio, host of the Rise Up Show, and he was a guest on this program, too. He writes, great podcast as always. Thank you. Whenever I hear Wonderful Land, it gives me goosebumps. When I was a little boy, I used to play my mom's record all the time. When I finally got to see Cliff and the Shadows together in 2009, and they performed it live, it blew me away. Keep up the great work. Thanks so much, Darren. And you know, on this subject of seeing... Cliff Live. As you may have heard, uh, Sir Cliff has announced his Blue Sapphire concert series with selected dates next November in the UK. And I did a crazy thing. I bought a ticket. So I've never been to England in my life. I mean, I've been out of the continental United States before. I've been to the Caribbean, but never the British Isles, which I know is going to be a far cry from the Caribbean in November. <clears throat> Anyway, it looks like I'll be there with all of you in 2023. Now, on to this month's show. Two guests talking about two different EPs. In a little while, we'll hear from PJ Shakespeare of Splinterwood Radio about the Shadows soundtrack EP for the 1962 film, The Boys. But first, we'll be chatting with a young musician out of Minnesota called J-Mo on the Beat about Cliff's Hit Parade EP and... The single, I'm Looking Out the Window, backed with Do You Want to Dance. J-Mo on the Beat writes and records his own music, and one of his biggest influences 
is Cliff Richard. So I began by asking him how he managed to discover Cliff in the first place. It's a little tricky. Like, I remember seeing his name on the internet when I was in middle school. Uh, so a couple years ago, <laughs> yeah, at the time I was starting to like rock and roll music. Um, but it wasn't until I think 10th grade where I saw his name again. And I was like, okay, let me see what this is all about. It was the Royal, uh, variety performance in 1960, which he did with Adam Faith and the Vernon girls and like the shadows and the John Barry seven. Um, when he was singing uh, ready Teddy, which is one of my favorite rock and roll songs of all time. And I was just amazed because it was like the fastest thing I ever heard, like faster than Little Richard's or Elvis' take on that song. So I started checking out more of his early music, and I just kind of been a big fan of his. Um, rock and roll music is the type of music I kind of grew up with, and it's the type of music I do now in my own career. So, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it, really. No, listen, that's a that's a great story. You made this little joke about middle school being not too long ago. Do you mind if I ask you uh, how old you are? I turned 22 this year. <laughs> well, even though this is a relatively recent fandom, uh, it's a very proactive one because you mentioned that you uh, have a music career and I know that you record songs and you also perform live. In fact, you've also performed wearing a very distinctive pink jacket on <laughs> a Cliff Richard tribute night. Yeah, I mean, I remember that's how we kind of got connected after... Uh mark announced your podcast and i was always listening in whenever i had the free time and then uh yeah it happened last year the special tribute that i put for cliff and uh, it was the first time i actually had a whole band together because earlier that year i had a band called the jay lighters and it didn't end well so i was going solo but a lot of friends encouraged me to try again and i thought since Cliff was hitting like a big milestone last year, I thought it would be nice to do a special tribute. So I searched for musicians who were interested in trying to do like a tribute show. And I was lucky to find some really awesome people. We worked on it for like, I think almost a month every week. And yeah, like I played at the creator space of just this really cool coffee house downtown in my area, St. Paul, Minnesota. And it was like the first show that I ever done there. And it was like the first show I ever played with a band. It was really great. I thought it would be cool to wear a similar jacket to Cliffs and kind of do most of his early rock and roll songs. Like just majority of my favorite songs are songs that kind of have a little bit of history behind them. So, yeah. That's cool. You know, if someone can find something creative that inspires them to be creative, then everybody wins, you know? And I'm very impressed with that pink jacket. I'm I'm envious of it too because <laughs> I I always think that's the coolest jacket. You know, Cliff has often joked and said, "Oh, I was the original bad taste dresser." And I want to say, "No, Cliff, you're totally wrong. That's a great look. I mean, that jacket should be in a museum somewhere. It's <laughs> iconic." So, 
let's talk about uh, these songs we're going to discuss today, beginning with a single released on May 10th, 1962. And this is interesting because this is technically not a double A side, but both of the songs became hits, top 10 hits. And the first one we're going to talk about is the A side, I'm Looking Out the Window, a song with kind of a dubious origin because two people have laid claim to writing the song. One is John Jacob Niles and the other one is Don Ray. The original version was by Peggy Lee. It was the B-side of her single, Hallelujah, I Love Him So. I'm looking out the window I'm waiting at the door To see if you'll be coming by The way you did before The way you did before And that was released in 1959. Cliff's version got to number two on the charts. It was kept out of the number one spot by Elvis Presley's Good Luck Charm. That's pretty good company to be in, right? And this was recorded on December 11th, 1961. I like this song. And in fact, one of the first Cliff records I got was Cliff in the 60s. And this song stood out to me because it's such a moody piece. I like the way Cliff sings it. He sounds very forlorn. It's superior, in my opinion, to the Peggy Lee version. I'm looking out the window I'm waiting at the door To see if you'll be coming by The way you did before The way you did When I first heard it, I didn't really like it as much just because, like I said, I'm more of like the more fast paced rock and roll songs. But there are definitely some nice ballads of clips that I enjoy. And I started listening to this one again recently. And I could see in a way like it resembles Elvis' take on it. Like when you started doing those more comedy romance movies, like for example, Viva Las Vegas, you could imagine Elvis probably singing something like that in like the part where he's probably heartbroken or sad and he's just singing a song. I need somebody to lean on. I need somebody to Tell my troubles too No use denying I'm close to crying But what good Tell me what good would my crying do Yeah, that's a good observation. It is kind of a similar song to a bluesy number like i need somebody to lean on and it's it's interesting you had i guess the same kind of reaction as fans did in 1962 because they forced radio stations and the record company to flip the record over and play the b-side which also became a hit it's cliff in the shadows version of do you want to dance recorded on december 19th 1961 it is a little odd 
that this was chosen as the B-side because it's just a natural that this would be the A, right? I mean, of course. I, I love this version of Do You Want to Dance? surprised when i was looking into it too a little bit i was like wait what how is this to be side <laughs> like it's a popular song by uh bobby freeman right yes yeah i heard his version for the first time a while back and um after listening to clips and like probably like other artists i think billy fury did like a version of this song too now i can't really go back to the original as much <laughs> Another really great version of this song is the one the Beach Boys recorded in 1965. That's like like a more ecstatic version of Do You Want to Dance? But the funny thing is, in the 70s, there were so many oldies compilations because we were going through this big nostalgia boon with American Graffiti and Happy Days and Grease and everything. And I grew up on the Bobby Freeman version. That's the version I knew for the longest time. And it took a little while, but now, like you, I can't go back. Like, I just prefer Cliff Richard and the Shadows version of Do You Want to Dance? There's just a spirit to it that's very infectious. It has... That pre-Mersey beat clap sound that we've yeah. often talked about on the show. And the solos are incredible. The harmonies are great. I mean, it's just a killer performance all around. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was doing the tribute, performing this song or just working on it was a little bit tricky because we were trying to get that shadow sound. And I don't know, we made something happen. <laughs> it definitely wasn't like the cliff version for sure, but like we made it happen and... Yeah, it's a really good song that I enjoy playing and listening to. Cool. So let's talk about this EP. You know, these EPs give us a chance to revisit songs that we've already talked about on the program, and I always like to get a fresh take on them. And Cliff's Hit Parade, which was released in February of 1962, it was a number four record in the EP charts, and the idea here was to collect his biggest hits of 1961 on a single disc. So let's start with Side One, Cut One, a song written by Bruce Welch, I Love You. Your love means so much more than all the loves I've ever had before, so please believe what I say because I, I love you.
a really nice song. It has a happy vibe to it. And I think it's like one of the most memorable songs from like Cliff's early country love rock and roll ballad days. And yeah, it's a really good song. Well, I think we'd all be curious what your opinion is of the next song on side one. It's a song that's become somewhat notorious on this program, written by Mort Garson and Earl Schumann, Theme for a Dream, recorded on January 28th, 1961. Whiny, backing vocals and all. Cause you're my theme for a dream, yes you are, a rare and lovely theme. You're my theme for a dream. So angel, please say that you love me too, and make my dreams come true. I forgot which podcast it was. Uh, you and somebody else were talking about the backup singers for this. Me personally, I, I don't really got an issue with it. Okay, it was, when, it was just funny when you talked about it, and I was just laughing. I was like, "What? I don't, I don't get the problem with it." Um, but yeah, it's another great song. I enjoy. Like, if I just knew how to play it, I'll definitely like play it, add it to my repertoire of music. But here's a fun fact: the uh, Probably not a lot of fans know, and it's something that I'm going to personally talk about at some point for, like, my own socials and stuff. Um, So somewhere in France, there was this group at the time called Les Chance Savage. Oh, okay. And pretty much the lead singer, Deke Rivers, who kind of had that name copied from uh, Elvis's character from Loving You. Mm-hmm. They did a cover of that song, and in a way, you could kind of just see the inspiration. Because to me, uh, I'll say Dick Rivers is kind of like the French Cliff Richard in a way, and then the group themselves—they're like the Shadows too, with the great guitar music. C'est pas sérieux. S'embrasser comme ça dans la rue n'importe où C'est pas sérieux mais c'est bon mon amour Quand ta bouche affamée se promène sur mon cou Et moi si timide, timide Yeah, like I remember hearing their version of that song as well as like they covered uh, a bunch of other songs by Cliff too, which was really surprising. Like even like his early stuff, like, wow. never mind and uh I want you to know. Oh, quand la peur fait froid au cœur, qu'il manque au jour un peu de rose à l'amour. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, 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 oh boy. Oh, oh, oh. Ça me donne envie de tricher, ça me donne envie de tout changer. I'm going to talk about this because I don't know if you saw my post about rock influence around the world stuff that I mentioned. And I want to like do a serious video on it because I probably talked about it in the past, but I never really got into like a little bit more depth into it. But there's another um, person, too, I think like from Mexico. Um, he used to be a really popular singer back in like the late 50s, early 60s and stuff like that. Name uh, Enrique Guzman or something like that. He was the first Mexican rock and roller with his band, the uh, Los Teen Tops. 
and they were covering like most of Cliff's early songs, like High Class Baby for one. Nos vemos presumida, no te puedo aguantar. Esas puntadas tuyas no las puedo pasar. Yo sin caviar y sin paisano vives feliz. Mientras yo solo quiero bailar rock and roll con las chamacas bailando y mis amigos gozando. Junto con ellos te quisiera ver, pero a ti tan solo el bolso te convence. Y un nuevo nombre te voy a poner. I think they also did Dynamite too. It was just really surprising when I like I don't, I don't I'm always just discovering stuff every day and seeing that was really awesome because like they really had that type of energy that Cliff had back then when he was like doing old boy and all that stuff. Si algún día tú sales con ella te podrás convencer que chamaca más rebelde no te habrás encontrar si una vuelta das en coche ella te convencerá ya no hay quien la contenga si te empieza a besar volverá le dicen y con mucha razón pues al que pasa por ella siempre la hace volar. This is really interesting stuff. I'm so glad we brought up Theme for a Dream and it took us down this <laughs> this rabbit hole. But that no, that, that's that's great. So let's uh let's wrap up here. Let's flip this EP over and get to track one on side two, a song written by Jerry Lorden. It was a number three hit, A Girl Like You. Here I am, there you are. Together, baby, we should go far. Girl like you, a boy like me, two hearts together like they ought to be, can't believe, I got a girl like you. Mm-hmm. With a girl like you, I'm, it's, it's not a song that attracts me, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, it's a good song. Regardless, it's just something that like doesn't like grab my attention as much as like a theme for a dream. I don't know. I'll put them in the same area, but theme for a dream is more of my go-to than a girl like you. <laughs> I'm not hating on it. It's a good song regardless, but it's just not for me. That's fair. That's fair. So wrapping up Cliff's hit parade is a song we talked about two episodes back. Written by Sid Tepper and Roy Bennett, When the Girl in Your Arms is the Girl in Your Heart. When the girl in your arms is the girl in your heart, then you've got everything. When you're holding the dream you've been dreaming, you'd hold. You're as rich as a king. I really love this song. Um, I remember uh, when I finally got the chance to watch the movie and seeing that original take or the movie version of that song. It it kind of made me cry. <laughs> okay, just, just because I could. Uh, oh, it's just like certain love songs like that. Like they bring out like a certain emotion in me and. Uh, songs like that kind of like inspired my songwriting and stuff to um, write certain love ballads. Even um, um, this another song from the movie uh, "Lessons in Love." Um, yes, I, wrote, I, I, wrote, <laughs> I technically wrote my version of that song too. Uh, "Lesson 
or Lessons in Love as well, the same title. And I don't know, they both kind of have the same message about like how to love a person and stuff like that. So, yeah. JMO on the beat. This has been a real pleasure. Where can people go to catch up with you and uh, hear your music and everything that you're doing? Oh, you can find me everywhere. <laughs> uh, mainly the platforms I do suggest people follow me is on Facebook and Instagram at JMO on the beat. And then uh, you can also catch my music on your streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, and even on my YouTube channel, which is JMO on the beat. Uh, which have right now, I think, over 200 subscribers currently. And for those who want to catch a live show of me, um, hopefully around the time that this comes out, I'm going to be doing a show with my band, the J-Lighters, at um, the St. Paul's KJ's Hideaway, November 19th from 5 to 7. And tickets are currently on sale, (laughs) hopefully by then. So, yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. So if you're hearing this before November 19th, Make sure to see JMO on the beat and the J lighters. If you're hearing it after November 19th, well, you're out of luck. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great show. <laughs> we were rave about it. You, what a night. You missed it. You missed it. <laughs> So great to talk with JMO on the beat, and that was a snippet from one of his original songs called I Want to Call on You. Next up, I talk with DJ and performer PJ Shakespeare, host of Shake, Rattle, and Stroll, heard on the all-rock-and-roll-all-the-time streaming service, Splinterwood Radio. I was a guest on his show back in October to help celebrate Cliff's 82nd birthday. I picked out five rockin' tunes for the occasion, which were Now's the Time to Fall in Love, Without You, D in Love, My Feet Hit the Ground, and Move It. And now... P.J. Shakespeare returns the favor by being a guest on my program. We discuss the film, The Boys, and the soundtrack EP recorded by The Shadows. I began by asking P.J. how we got into Cliff Richard and The Shadows, early rock and roll in general, and then eventually how he came to host Shake, Rattle, and Stroll. Even though my parents were around in the 50s and the early 60s, um, I wasn't exposed to lots of rock and roll until my dad bought a Best of Buddy Holly tape when I was about six years of age. And it set me off on a journey. I didn't realise it for a fair few years, but those songs, the Oh Boys and the Peggy Sues and everything else coming on this tape, I found I loved it found I really loved that music and started asking my dad, well, who else would I like? And that brought on the Elvises and the Chuck Berries and, of course, Cliff and the Shads. My mum had been a teenage, well, and preteen Cliff fan. And uh, when I got my first record player, found myself in possession of lots of Cliff and the Shads singles and a few albums <laughs> from the early 60s, which was great. And, oh, because I'd known Cliff at that time for Mistletoe and Wine and... Um, some of that pop stuff from the 80s, uh, Just Don't Have the Heart, had been a hit when I was a youngster, I remembered that. Um, but to find he'd been this rock and roller was eye-opening to me. And then just the love from it, um, 
playing in various bands and singing and um, playing music and DJing commercially. And that led to um, doing some rock and roll DJing and finding out about Splinterwood Radio and finding out that they broadcast rock and roll 24-7. They were after some volunteers for their station and I got in touch and I've been with them for two years now and um, doing a show every single Friday playing music from that generation and that era, which is my passion. Well, I've listened and you play a lot of great stuff. Is is it from your own personal collection? Yeah, most of it is from my own personal collection, though I do have a lot, a lot, a lot of requests. But in the last 25 years plus, I have built up a massive collection and um, they've obviously become digital on my files and everything else. And yeah, it's a mixture of what I want to play and what I've been listening to and what the um, audience want, really. I get a lot of requests, especially a lot of Cliff and the Shad's requests, which is great. Yeah, you know, coming from the radio world, too, that sounds very familiar. I, I get about half and half of things that I've chosen, and then uh, I get these requests, and I go, hmm, how am I going to make this work? Uh, there doesn't seem to be any uh, through line uh, between some of these requests, but we'll make it work somehow. So was the Boys EP by The Shadows, was that in your collection? No. Oh, okay. That was one that wasn't in my collection. And um, I had heard all the tracks through the Shad's Masters that I've heard over the years. And um, a guitarist friend of mine plays very, very similar to Hank. And he's played um, The Boys before on his on his um, one-man show. So I've heard that. I can't say I was overly familiar with the rest of the EP, but I um, I purchased it recently. So I've got now got an original copy and I've been listening to it. And, there's some good work on it. Yeah, even though there's not much Shadows music on the soundtrack, I guess the director, Sidney J. Fury, who also directed The Young Ones, he saw something in them when he made that film and wanted to incorporate them into this. And uh, the music is is used, what little of it there is, it is used cleverly. Yeah, absolutely. And they got the balance very, very well. The tracks work so well in the context of what is a incredibly good dramatic courtroom drama which I wasn't expecting when I first heard The Boys starring old um, Jess Conrad. I was thinking right. this is going to be something totally different to what it, what it was. And it was actually a pleasant surprise. Well, let's talk about it. The movie The Boys uh, released in September of 1962. And you're right. It's a taut little crime thriller. And I did notice something. There's an Easter egg in this movie. If you watch, there's a scene where they all hang out at a coffee bar and on the wall behind the, the, the four principal characters is the poster for the young ones. I didn't notice that poster. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that means in this cinematic universe of the boys, there's a barrister who looks a lot like Robert Morley. And we know that Robert Morley, the actor, exists because he's on the poster. Yes, of course. <laughs> the young ones are right. <laughs> that, that's a very good point. <laughs> and, and I felt while I was watching the movie that I was watching every British character actor I had ever seen. Absolutely. All at once, you know, one after the other is Wilfred Bramwell. There's uh, um, Roy Kinnear. There's... Um, the 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 guy from Faulty Towers in that one episode, um, Todd, of course, as well. Yeah, yes, it was it was a little distracting to be honest. And the other observation I would make, I would have loved if there had been a television program where every week Robert Morley played a defense attorney because he just chews the scenery in this picture incredibly. And he, yes, for a defense lawyer, he has a very human side to him as well, in my opinion. But- Especially when he starts describing being um, being bullied and everything else and showing yes. the side. I thought, I thought it was a tour de force. Why were you looking through the side door of the garage? 
Yeah, that's right, and I've seen a cash box, but I wasn't looking at that. I can't remember what it was. Well, you're going to have to remember it if we stay here all night. What are you trying to hide that's more important than your own skin, you idiot? Lay off him. I'm not paid to lay off him. Leave him alone, you fat old... He didn't mean it. Billy, why is fat a swear word? I didn't mean it. But you did. You used it as a swear word. No, he didn't. He didn't use it as a swear word. He just called you fat. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Don't try and teach me about that word. Good gracious, I knew about that word long before any of the rest of you were born. I've never been allowed to forget it. Well, you keep going on about it. You said he's sorry, didn't he? What difference does that make? Does it help him understand why he said it? Does it help him understand what happened to me when he did say it? I was back again at school, standing as far away from the swimming pool as possible. Why? Because I didn't want to be pushed in, you chump. Work it out for yourself. A fat boy has to stay at the back always. If he doesn't, you can depend upon some bright youngster singing out, look at that fat man. Well, now, we've dealt with fat boys. Let's talk about teddy boys. One odd aspect about this movie is they keep referring to the four leads as teddy boys, and I don't think they're anyone's definition of a teddy boy. They're not teddy boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. They're not teddy boys. <laughs> they keep talking about that, but I, this isn't really a juvenile delinquent film. I mean, in a way, I suppose it is, but it is more, like we said, a courtroom drama. And the end sequence that Robert Morley, this end speech that he gives, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but it has been out since 1962. So um, he gives a speech that's similar in a way to a speech Orson Welles gives in a, a movie called Compulsion, which has some similarities, another courtroom uh, drama and i will say that the um all the young leads are really really uh, fine actors in this including jess conrad who looks like a young tom cruise in this movie and i only have a vague awareness of jess conrad mainly through his records this pullover that you gave to me i am wearing and wear it constantly soft and warming like your love for me it was made dear like you were made for me it's very I, rare to see jess conrad serious because jess conrad is a bit of a figure of fun in the uk he sends himself up um on any occasion and to see him very serious in this film is very different for jess conrad put it that way i've had the pleasure of meeting him on a few occasions and <laughs> jesse's um Jesse's a character, and but yet in this, he was fantastically yeah. really good. So let's talk about this EP, the Boys EP, which came out October 1962. There is some other music in the film, very little that the Shadows don't play, and we'll talk about that. But uh, it starts off with the theme from The Boys, written by Brian Bennett, Bruce Welsh, and Hank Marvin. This was recorded on uh, May 8th, 1962, and then overdubbed with strings on June 18th, 1962. For a theme song, it's surprising that this is the one that people don't remember. (laughs) They remember the other song called The Boys. And I felt like this was almost an attempt to recapture some of that The Shadows Plus Strings sound of Wonderful Land, except this time with added choir.
it is very, very film score. It has got that shadows plus strings. It's very atmospheric. It reminds me a lot of a, of a John Barry type composition in a lot of ways in how it's done. Yes. It, it is a beautiful piece. Yes, I know what you mean. It's that style that uh, really took over the 60s for a while with the orchestra, a little bit of a pop rock sound, and then singers in the background, like what John Barry would later do on the soundtrack to uh, The Knack and How to Get It. So then we get to cut two on this EP called The Girls, written by Bruce and Hank. This was recorded May 16th, 1962. I enjoy this a lot. You know, it sounds like what it is. It sounds like background music, but the shadows are just able to create this sort of infectious, jaunty, I feel like I want to call it, I don't know, cosmopolitan or something. It just has, it has class. repeating part that that plays on it as well because you, you kind of start to get into your head after a little while the little refrain that's always played in it and i think it's i think it's really really great track it's used to a good degree in the film and it is it is a very good shadows pop top track um it's not my favorite on the ep but we'll get to that one but it is it, it is very shadows 1962 which is one of my favorite sounds in the world and you know because i'm doing this podcast i was watching this movie in a way that you, you probably shouldn't watch it i was watching it with one ear attuned to whenever the shadows would show up on the soundtrack you know i was always on the lookout for that it takes a while for the shadows to come into it really yes so you're kind of like the first half of the movie you're thinking are the shadows gonna play are we gonna get any shadows when when's it coming and then suddenly it builds to the other half of the movie and then suddenly you start hearing shadows tracks um we flip this ep over and we have a song called sweet dreams recorded on july 20th 1962 this is written by pianist bill mcguffey and as i understand it this is actually not the version heard in the film i i feel like of these four, this is the weakest. Yeah, I agree with that. It does have that dreamy kind of, um, not sleepwalk, but that dreamy sound. Yeah. Sweet Dreams is certainly a, a title that suits the song. It, it's my least favourite as well. But it certainly serves a purpose in the film when while he's um, Stan's character, Dudley Sutton stands with his mom in the um, in in the bedroom and stuff. And 
it's certainly the right track for the right place, but it's my least favourite as well. By the way, <clears throat> we have to give special mention, I think, to to uh, Dudley Sutton as Stan because he is so good. So good. In this, so, I mean, ridiculously good in this movie. <laughs> I, again, the entire cast is, is really outstanding. So we get to the meat of the matter. It's yeah. the last cut on side two. This is on The Shadow's Greatest Hits, so it's a well-known uh, song. Uh, this was recorded, The Boys, we're talking about May 16th, 1962. It's Brian, Bruce, and Hank again. And I, I feel like this is Son of FBI. Son of FBI. (laughs) (laughs) But I I really like it. In fact, I'm going to say something that's maybe heresy. I think I like this better than FBI. It is a great track. But as soon as you hear that drum beat started, you're thinking, are they going to play FBI? And the the walking bass is very, very similar. But the guitar break is something else. Oh, you know the part of me, I just love it. I think it's fabulous. I think it's an absolute... It is the shadows. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming they were instructed to come up with something similar to, <laughs> to FBI. It's its own thing, though. Yeah, it is its own thing. They're in the um, coffee bar at the time, and it does show that kind of, The track really works for the hustle and bustle of the West End on a night out in London. It seems to be the perfect fit for that scene in the movie as well, and it's a great track in its own right. And that's another thing to recommend this movie, because it does capture, setting aside you know, the grisly things that happen and having no money at the end of the night. But it does it does capture that time period and West London in the early 1960s. And for someone overseas who never experienced anything like that, you know, I'm I'm watching it and I'm thinking, gosh, that's just so fascinating. And it's also very apparent as I'm watching it, knowing what I do know of London now, that this world is gone, you know, that that these uh, boys are visiting. I think I have a feeling that this is the kind of night out my dad has described on many times of his nights out in the 1960s in um, in Birmingham and the same kind of nights. Very, very similar. And um, that was a very awkward scene in the dance hall when, um, when they're trying <laughs> to dance. It- and, and it reminded me of some of my uh, teenage years of trying to get a dance from a girl. Very awkward times indeed. Yeah, I remember a New Year's Eve when three buddies and I went out specifically to get girls to dance with us and we completely struck out. And then one of our friends locked the keys in the car and we had to call his father and it was a, it was a disaster. Um, this movie is really good. And I, you know, we've said that a a couple of times, but I feel like it's under the radar, especially to rock and roll fans, because you've got, you know, some shadow songs in there. You've got a juvenile delinquent element, but it is 
more of a courtroom drama than anything else, but it's definitely worth a look. In the UK, it's shown a lot on a, on a station we've got called Talking Pictures, which shows loads of films from the um, 50s and 60s, loads of rock and roll pictures. And this is shown regular. So people in the UK, there's always a good chance of being able to see it as well because it's on well, three or four times a year. Oh, good to know. I watched it on Amazon Prime. So for anybody who doesn't get Talking Pictures, you can always uh, rent it on Amazon Prime. Thank you so much for coming on and talking not only about the EP, The Boys, but also the film, the boys and where can people go to catch up with you and what you're doing on splinterwood radio or elsewhere thank you for having me on ghosty it's been an absolute pleasure yeah you can catch up with me i've um i'm on splinterwood radio um if you look for pj shakespeare on facebook you'll find my splinterwood group um that's every friday 2 p.m uk time till 4 p.m every single friday afternoon and also i've got my band pj shakespeare and the tempest we play rockabilly and uh Classic rock and roll, very authentic um, Americana style from the uh, 50s. So you can look us up as well on Facebook and um, and on socials and have a listen to what we do if, you, if you're interested, and that would be absolutely fantastic. My thanks again to PJ Shakespeare for appearing on the show, as well as my thanks to JMO on the Beat for doing the same a little earlier. And that is going to have to do it for this month's action-packed, extra-long episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We had uh, more information and trivia in those uh, 40 minutes <laughs> than I think in any other podcast in history, with the exception of TCB Cast. I think... Justin and Gurdip beat me on that. You should listen to that, folks. If you're not listening to, I'm, if you're listening to this, chances are you're an Elvis fan, right? I mean, it just kind of goes with the territory. Make sure to listen to uh, TCB Cast. All right, Christmas is coming. The holidays are coming. I don't know what we're going to do really on next month's show. It's a little early in the game for that. But what I do know is that I'd love to hear from you with recorded holiday messages. So if you have a holiday message that you want to share with anyone who listens to this program or just the world in general, record it on an MP3 and send it to me at we say yeah podcast at gmail.com. We say yeah podcast, it's all one word, at gmail.com. Record that MP3, send it, and we'll play it as part of our December show. All right. Until next month, take care, and let's reconvene around the old wireless. We say yeah. We say yeah. We say yeah.